ladies and gentlemen, in your lifetime and in my lifetime, we have gone all the way in the culture from Madonna singing Papa Don't Preach into the churches and the churches are saying preachers don't preach. The time will come when they will have itching ears and they will turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables myths. But Paul gives a word concerning apostasy and with a note of urgency he says to the young preacher, Preach the word! That's what God wants the preacher to do in this day. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 10 through 14. That I may know him. Paul was a saved man when he wrote that. That I may know him. This is not head knowledge. This is heart knowledge. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. Have you ever thought about the fellowship of his suffering? We live in a world, a time when most folks come apart when they think about suffering. But there's something about suffering. In fact, suffering has a ministry. Simon Peter says, after you have suffered a while, he'll strengthen you. Make you perfect, mature. Paul talks about fellowship. The fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended. Of Christ Jesus. That word apprehend actually means to be laid hold of or arrested. When a law officer puts you under arrest, he apprehends you. Paul said that there was a day when I was apprehended by the Lord. He arrested me. And my great desire is to follow through and know that for which he apprehended me. God had a reason for saving you. He had a reason for saving me. It's up to us to fulfill that reason. Give ourselves to God without any reservation. You say, well, how do you do that, preacher? Well, look at verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't laid hold of it yet. He said, I'm not perfect. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to think with me for just a moment on this subject. The prize is worth the price. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God 
in Christ Jesus. And the price that I pay is mentioned here in these three verses before that. And also in one of the Corinthian epistles, Paul prayed a price. But he said, now that the goal is in view, I'm pressing toward the mark. You watch a runner on the track running a race. When he starts pressing the tape, the race is about over. In fact, most of it's behind him. When they throw their chest out, they call that pressing the tape. Paul said, I'm pressing the tape. Two-thirds of the race is behind me. Nothing in front of me now but the goal line, the tape. And Paul is saying here, I'm determined. I'm going to make it across the finish line. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give out. I'm determined to make it across the goal line. Back when I was a kid, I did play some baseball with the textile leagues here in South Carolina. Back then, they had just enough men on each team to cover the bases and make the, make the plays. And whoever was the pitcher, when he threw the first ball across that plate, he was there on the pitcher's mound to throw the last ball across the, the plate. He was there for the game. There wasn't no relief. Today, they've got four or five or six or seven or eight that's paid 35, 40, 45, 50 million dollars for a contract. They call them closers. Paul is saying here, they ain't going out to hire no closers for me. Amen. I'm, I'm in it. I intend to cross the goal line. Whatever it takes to get there, I'm willing to give. I'm willing to pay. For the prize is worth the price. Whatever, whatever price you have to pay to carry out God's will for your life, it's worth it. Amen? L listen, this world ain't seen nothing like you and I are going to see when we cross the goal line. Amen? I mean, they, they don't have a clue. But Paul said, I've, I've caught a glimpse of it. And I want to tell you the prize is well worth the price. There are three things I want to get across to you as quickly as I possibly can. Number one, in order to get across that goal line and get that prize, you're going to have to pay the price of forgetting. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. It's entirely possible that there's one or more people in this crowd tonight You've got a problem. You've got a problem in your spiritual life. You're not going with God. You're not moving toward the prize because you can't get over your past. You say, but preacher, you, you don't know how bad I was hurt. You don't know what happened to me, preacher. Well, I don't need to know. Really, 
It's of no consequence. Because whatever happened in the past is in the past. There's a thing in the world you can do about it. You can't change it. You can't go back. Because there ain't no U-turns made on this road. Forget about what's behind you. Forgetting those things which are behind me. What did Paul have to forget? He could forget the pain. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 28, he gives us a list of the times and the ways he had been abused, shipwrecked three times in the deep day and night, beaten with rods, whipped, stripped naked, in jail, you name it. And the man was abused, horribly abused. But he said, forget it. Forget it. Forget the pain. Forget the pain in your past. Hey, don't give up your future for your past. Don't walk the rest of your life with your head turned around backwards. Amen. Forget the past. Listen, please, please don't misunderstand me. Don't, don't, don't judge me. I'm, I'm not trying to hot dog it. I'm, I'm not trying to play to the grandstand. And I'm not fishing for sympathy. I ain't looking for a crying towel. I ain't got no sad song to sing, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a song to sing. Listen, the Bible says suffering, tears, anguish may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. And the song that God gives is a joyful song. Amen. And as many of you, just like myself, are beat up, you've been abused, you've been cussed and discussed, hashed and rehashed, you've been beat on, you've been pushed around in your Christian life, but forget it. Amen. Forget it. There ain't a thing in the world you can do about that. I, I'll guarantee you, then six of you here put together got into more forgetting I have. Amen. But God bless your soul. I want to tell you one thing, son. I ain't going to pull no Rip Van Winkle. Amen. No, no. I'm not going to pull to the side of life and sit down and have a little pity party. Because whatever happened in the past is in the past. Forget the pain. Forget the pain. That's part of the price. Amen. Did you hear me? That's part of the prize. But remember, the prize is worth the price. It doesn't make any difference how difficult it may get. It doesn't make any difference what's involved in it. Just remember, the prize is worth the price. Paul could forget the pain. He could forget the perils that he had encountered as he served the Lord. And I can tell you now, you're living in an unfriendly world. Amen? This foul world is not a friend of grace to help us on to God. The devil is going to do everything he can to make it uncomfortable for you down here. Amen? Yeah, there'll be some pain 
and there will be perils in this thing. I was telling a man the other day, he said, he said, you, you mean that we shouldn't even think about these things? I said, they're really not worth thinking about in the first place. Because it's not going to do any good. It's not going to change anything. You know what? If you just go about serving God normally, like a Christian ought to, you're going to run into all kinds of problems. And people are going to hate you, not for what you do, but for what you are. You make them feel uncomfortable when you get around them. And they'll do their best to make it uncomfortable for you. Amen? Listen, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. The pastor has been telling you all night long, God's not looking for ability. God's not on a talent hunt. God's looking for availability. It doesn't make any difference what the world may think about you. Mister, you go with God and let God fulfill His will in your life. And I'm here to tell you now, you don't have any idea right now where you would be six months from now or what you would be doing if you put your life in God's hands. Amen? I remember very well, and it will be 52 years come August. I stood on the deck of the USS Prairie, AD 15, anchored in San Diego Harbor. I was a part of that crew of that ship. We were a part of the 7th Fleet. We were under orders to go back out. We were to relieve Dixie, the USS Dixie in Shanghai, China. We never made that rendezvous because the communists took over China and run the Dixie out of the harbor and the Korean War boiled over. When I went aboard that ship that day after having come home on leave and on that leave was when God painted me in a corner. I run into God in a way I wasn't expecting. I, when I got home on leave, I called the girl who had been my girlfriend previously before I went in the Navy. And I said to her, look, uh, I, I, I'm home on leave and I'd like to come by to see you. I, I said, are you serious with anybody? She said, no. I said, well, uh, I, I'd, like, I'd, like to, I'd like to come see you. I'd like to date you Saturday night. She said, well, we're having revival this week at church. If you want to go to church, you can come see me. Now, I'm going to be honest with you now. Listen to, are you listening to me? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't have my mind on going to church. I had my mind on her. We walked in that old country church, sat down right on the very back pew. Now, I didn't sit there and, act and make a fool out of myself. My daddy beat that out of me when I was a kid. I had more respect for the house of God than that. I just sat there. But honest, I, I don't remember one word the preacher said. Not one word. I couldn't tell you what one word that man said that night. When he got through preaching, give the invitation, the pastor got in. This is a man from the mountains. He had the biggest feet, the biggest hands I ever saw on a man in my life. I ain't, I ain't joking. His fingers looked like stovepipes. This man didn't need one of these microphones. He had a bullhorn for a voice. And when he got up in that pulpit, after the visiting preacher done closed the invitation, he got up in that pulpit, he looked out across that congregation, he said, everybody in this building, 
that's right with God and ready to die, turn around and look at the back of the building. If you turn around and you ain't right, God will kill you right where you stand. Man, I've never had anybody talk to me like that. I was standing back there. I, I, I was a saved person, but I wasn't right with God. I was running from God. Man, everybody in that building turned around but me. And I am looking at them just like you're looking at me right now. Everybody's eyeballing me. And man, that guy bailed out of that pulpit. Down that aisle he came, got in between them pews, got up over me, grabbed me by the shoulders, snapped my head back, looked right down in my eyeballs and said, Boy, don't you want to get right with God? I said, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that, that lady that's lying in the bed at night at home, waiting on me to come home, that was her. She tapped me on the shoulder. She said, hey, if you need to go to that altar, I'll go with you. That's all I needed. I bailed out, went down to that altar. I got right with God. Let me tell you something. When I got back to that ship, I woke up that gangway, saluted the colors, laid my sea bag down, give my surrender paper, my leave papers to the officer of the deck. Standing behind him were six men. We had been together through boot camp, through Fleet Radio School and through two years of service on that ship. George the Greek was the leader of the pack. He said, uh, stole your sea bag, Mac. I got your liberty card. We're going on the beach. I said, uh, George, that's a closed chapter in my life. Never, ever again. Never again. Never again. I mean, 52 years come August. He flipped that little white hat on the back of his head. He looked at me and he said, I feel sorry for you. He said, you'll never have another good day as long as you live. In fact, later he gave me a loaded service 45. Said, go up on the boat that boat deck and blow your brains out. You'll never have any more fun. You'll never have another day of joy as long as you live. You'll never go anywhere. <laughs> I don't know where George is tonight but I don't know where I am and you know what from the day he said that to this day I have traveled one and one half million miles to preach the gospel there ain't been a dull moment <laughs> it's been a trip are you understanding what I'm telling you? Listen. I told a fellow the other day, I said, I've been shot at three times. But I ain't never been shot. Isn't that something? Huh? I walked away from one airplane crash, survived two near misses. I can stand here and tell you how God Almighty has snatched me back from death so many times. You'd find it hard to believe. But mister, that's no excuse for me. To give up and get out. Amen. Give up the pain. Give up the perils. They're not worth remembering in the first place. I appreciate you praying for my wife. God has done great things for us. That's why I'm praising Him. That's why I'm blessing Him. He has indeed done great things for us. The first time I had an attack of flea bitis, 
She had just got out of a mental institution. And we were sitting on the bed in the bedroom one Saturday night. And I said to her, I don't know why all these things have happened to us, honey. I've been over backwards to try to live right and be straight, be clean, and be honest before God. I don't know why all these things have happened. But I was thinking about that song that that Harvey wrote years and years ago. When uh, it, it goes something like this. Uh, when we get there, we'll ask the reasons and he'll tell us why. I said, honey, one of these days we'll get to heaven and uh, we can ask the Lord why all this and he'll tell us why. And she looked at me with great big tears running down her face. She said, uh-uh. When we get there, it won't even be worth remembering. Uh-uh. Oh, get, give it all up, friend. Give it up. Hey, if it's in the past, it's in the past. Then the thing in the world you can do about it. Don't let it rob you of your future. There's some folks that can't enjoy today and they don't have any future because they're locked up in their past. Are you listening to me? The devil specializes in taking you by the hand of your memory and walking you down the back road of your life, locking you up in the prison of your past and throwing the key away. And as long as you're locked up back there, mister, you're a zero. Amen? Forget the past. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. What was that second word? Reaching. I reach forth for that which is before me. Look, you can't reach forth if you're reaching behind. Amen? I don't, brother, I don't know what God's got for me between here and heaven. Whatever it is, I'm a candidate for it. Amen? I've got both hands out. I am ready and willing whatever God sends my way. And I'm going to tell you this, friend, from here to the rapture, it's going to be rapid and rough. It'll take twice as much preaching, twice as much praying, twice as much working to get half as much done in the future as it has in the past. But there's no reason to give it up. Amen? There's no reason to even think about going behind. For getting those things which are behind and reaching forth for that which is in front of us. Accepting whatever God offers right now. Acknowledging what God has designed, acting upon every offer, large or small. It doesn't mean, listen, <laughs> I had a preacher friend, he's in heaven now, he said to me one time, he said, son, the smallest church I have ever seen was bigger than the biggest preacher I ever met. Are you with me? There's some of you sitting out there now they're, they're, your name ain't never been in the sword of the Lord. Your name ain't never been on a marquee. In fact, folks on the other side of the counter don't even know you there. I don't have the devil to ride your back on that. Why, ah, this ain't going to count. Nobody's paying attention to you. Look, you're nobody. You got nobody. You got nothing. Why do you want to go on this way? But let me tell you. If you are on an assignment for God, nobody can be on a greater assignment. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Listen. There are many of them that can preach a whole lot better sermon than I can. But they ain't a one of them can sow any better seed than me. Did you hear what I said? They ain't a one of them can sow any better seed than me. Because they have a one seed bag. They said Bible. Amen. And Jesus had a lot to say about the sower. Huh? Sow the seed, friend. Don't worry about running out of seed. I've had both of my arms up to my shoulders in that sea bag for 52 years and ain't found the bottom yet. They may do a better job than me, but they can't throw out no better seed than me. Hallelujah. Praise God, brother. Sow the seed. Take care of the field where God's put you. Leave it all up to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. That, that helps me. I don't know if that'll help you or not. That helps me. Amen. Yeah. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth for that which is in front of us and pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and Galatians 5, 7, Paul tells us that we're to run all out, run flat out. Not trotting. Hey man, we're running. Amen? We're not, we're not, we're not running for exercise. We're running in a race. Paul said run to win. Not to show. Run to win. Man, I want to tell you now. There's a lot of people out there who are trying to tell us how to run this race and they don't know what it's all about. Amen? You understand what I'm talking about? They don't have a clue what this thing is all about. We're in a race. I think I shared this with you two or three times before. There's a doctor in the town where I try to pastor and he runs in the Boston Marathon. He runs in the New York Marathon. I think he's running the Paris Marathon a couple of times. He's a health nut. And uh, I have an occasion to talk with him occasionally at the YMCA. I, I go to the YMCA every morning at 5 o'clock and, and try, try to keep myself as healthy as possible. And I have occasion to talk with this man. And on one occasion he said, I'm getting ready to go to New York. I'm going to New York. I said, for what? He said, I'm going to run in the, in the New York Marathon. I said, there's something I've always wanted to ask somebody about that. I said, I've, I've seen that thing on television. And, and when, when, they, when they pop that starting gun, the street is full from sidewalk to sidewalk. And they sell 15,000, 20,000, 25, even 30,000 people sometimes. When they shoot the gun, here they go. But I said, when they show the finish line, they ain't but three or four of them. And most of them giving it this. I said, tell me, sir, what happened to the rest of that crowd? He said, he said I'm going to tell you. He said, most of them run about six blocks. And then they pull over the sidewalk and take their running shoes off, go back to the hotel, take a shower, and put on their T-shirt that says, I ran in the New York Marathon. <laughs> They wasn't running to win. 
It's running the show. I said, I appreciate you telling me that because the next time I get on a plane and one of them dudes sits down in front of me and he got that on his shirt, I'm going to thump him right between the shoulder blades and say, how long, dude? How long? Tell me how long did you run? How far did you run? Amen? <laughs> Pressing toward the mark. Going all the way. I told the pastor tonight, my burning desire, my passion is to get across the goal line. Every day of my life, my heart is pained with news from across America. This preacher, that preacher, this one young, that one old, dropping out of the race, acting a fool, giving it up, trading it off for some little cheap bauble of the world. That bothers me. I want to finish. Amen. And I want to finish well. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, if, if I can, I want to run across that goal line. Amen. 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 I intend to run across that goal line. But listen, if I can't run, bless God, I'll trot. Amen. Amen. If I can't trot, I'll walk. If it gets to where I can't walk. I cross. Amen. I want to get across the goal line. You may have walked under here tonight determined to give it all up. Friend, you need to repent of that tonight. You need to find your place around this altar. Give it all to God. Amen. You see these people around here, they may not even know what they're doing. A lot of times they raise their hands. You get on a plane, go anywhere in this wide world tonight. You get off that plane and you can't speak a word of their language. You throw up your hands. They know what you mean. That means I surrender. I surrender that may be the very thing God's looking for for you tonight. Will you surrender to Him? Father, only you know, Lord. Only you know. But I'm glad you do. Lord, I don't know these people. But you do. And you know those, Lord, here right now who desperately need to make a trip to this altar. I pray, God, they'll not walk out of this tent a disobedient person. Help them, Lord, to be obedient and obey you in Jesus' name. All right, preacher.